Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast, a show where we bring you the best clips from our previous week's Red Men Plus content. Like always, if you want to get yourselves involved and listen to these shows in full, or indeed watch them, head on over to redmenplus.com. If you sign up using the promo code WEEKLY, W-E-E-K-L-Y, you'll get 50% off your first two months. So yeah, Red Men Plus, Captain Monthly Subscription, use the code WEEKLY and get yourselves a discount on listening or watching these great shows the first of which is the final word show Liverpool maintained their amazing home form with a 3-0 win over Brentford at the weekend delighted to be joined on the final word show by the guys and yet have a little listen to this it was absolute belter I don't know if it, again have you obviously in the, you're in the stadium I don't know how much you come across but you could tell how how desperate they were for a clean sheet yeah or, or, or the back the goalkeeper in the back four Matip blocks on the line Van Dyke clear him one off the mm. line almost before Neil Mopay he, he probably would have missed anyway because he's fucking useless but <laughs> it, you could tell like, they were really desperate for that clean sheet like Liverpool got the best defensive record in the league now mm. I don't know where us and Arsenal have got the best well, joint best mm. defensive record after City there a few in yesterday four in yesterday it, like, they, but you could tell they were really really keen to keep that even when the, the game was done there was 80 odd minutes but all of a sudden Brentford had about 15 corners in a row oh, no, and no. it was like constant but Liverpool would bodies on the line getting in the way blocks clearance headers like it didn't mean a lot to keep that clean sheet yeah they were doing absolutely everything to make sure we got the clean sheet there and it wouldn't have been the end of the world if we never but it's just so tight at the top at the minute when you look at even goal difference with everyone like you were saying our defensive record's the best now but it only takes a few to concede a few and then you look in the middle of the table the way everyone's performing at the minute but I haven't seen Virgil play that well in so long he was literally back to himself the confidence that he had the way he used to be he used to just assume players wouldn't come near and we sort mm. of just had this order around him you could sort of see him getting that confidence back at the same time but he didn't mind sort of bullying his way and bullying players away Matter great honestly Van Dyke was probably man of the match but I think Matter deserves a lot of credit as well definitely obviously didn't deserve the yellow like we've spoke yeah. about but yeah doing absolutely everything defensively obviously Trent sort of moved into that more that more inverted full back role defensively Simicast was probably better going forward than he was defensively but Van Dijk oh honestly it's so good to see him like that because after yeah. the injury I was really worried that we might never see him back to that again and that's sort of what I'm worried about with Robbo now is will we see him ever getting back to the but that's the thing with injuries and it? it does give you that anxiety around the players but made up with Van Dijk he was, I was Van Dijk Lewis, yeah. let's speak more about him is that it was like the Van Dijk of old where yeah. mm. he just wins every header anything that comes near him in the air yeah. he's just yeah. he's in the way there was the one where Mbwemo and Van Dijk just Put the afterburners on, catches yeah, up yeah. to him and just leans into him yeah. and just nudges it behind. They it was what like watching Virgil of a couple of years ago. He had, he had the injury. He played a bazillion games last year. He admitted himself. He he felt it. Yeah. He, the World Cup certainly took an impact on him as well and, and all that kind of stuff. 
it does look like maybe having the captain's armband has raised his, his level. But whatever it is now, like he looks somewhere near the best. And, mm. and when he's anywhere near it, he is the best. Like you can, there's some really good centre backs in the league, some really really good ones. Diaz yesterday gives a penalty. He's still brilliant. You've got yeah. Saliba. You've got loads of them. But he's the man. And when he plays like yesterday, he's, he is the man. Yeah, he was outstanding. Oh, I keep doing that. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he was outstanding yesterday. I think he's. What I've said before, I thought his legs were going slightly, but yesterday he just completely changed my mind. That was the first game in a while where I felt like he was really getting at attackers. At times he's been a bit standoffish. Yesterday he was running at everyone, he was jumping at everyone, he was physical. And I feel like he's becoming one of these players, similar to like when John Terry started winding down, where yes, physically maybe is starting to wane slightly, but mentally he knows where to be, he knows where to put himself and tactically he's a very astute defender. I think as well he's benefited from having from us having depth at centre-back now. Obviously we could probably do it with one more, but Kwanza coming in, Matip's been playing the way he has, Kanate, I think he's benefited from being taken out of the team during those Europa League games because if we were in Champions League, he'd be playing every Champions League game as well as the league, yeah. so... I think he's just benefited from being able to have those breaks and have that rotation to sort of physically recover, ready for the next game. And, you know, City coming up, I think we're in the best position now with everyone's form and results to go into that game. I suppose as well. I mean, it, it, it's like when you when he's, when he he had the levels he got to and then the, it was like, oh, where are we at here? Maybe some of it is to do with what's in front of him as well. Yeah. Like when he's got a midfield that's got legs and he's not constantly just having to do everything. Like Liverpool under siege a lot last season. Mm. I know it's it's his job and he's meant to defend, but like it does help him when there's a bit more protection in front of him. Maybe that's what that that's a factor as well. The lads mm. in front of him making it a little bit easier for him. Yeah. But when he's called upon now, he still looks somewhere near Virgil van Dijk levels. I think you're 100 percent right about that. To be honest, because when you look back at last season, our midfield was just getting absolutely yeah. ripped apart, and then the defenders were having far too much to do every single game. It, it was like that every game, and now you look at the midfield that we've got. I mean, I know we've we've praised the midfield a lot in this game, but I think that is what. Mm. To be fair, when you think about it, Van Dijk makes everyone next to him look better. He really does. Yeah. He, he really does have that effect. And obviously, like when you think about Matup, when Virgil's not there, his game doesn't look as good. I think Van Dijk just has that ability to sort of lift the players around him and do that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it was made up. I suppose to, to round up then, uh, Lewis. Okay, Thomas Frank after the game was very gracious. Like yeah, he, he spoke really well about Liverpool. Mo Salah, he praised, he praised, he praised Jurgen and Liverpool, all mm. that kind of stuff. It does feel like. It was interesting because Jamie Callagher made this conversation, this point a couple of weeks ago. Like Liverpool aren't trying to win the league; they're just trying to come fourth. And I was like, I'm not sure I agree with that. Later mm-hmm. on on the Bias Football Podcast, by the way, Paul and the guys are going to go more in depth in in, in the, the whole weekend as a whole with City and Spurs, etc., etc. But that I think we don't know where Liverpool are going to be at the end of the season. The end of the season will be what the end of the season will be. But a, a 3 0 home win against a good Brentford side, who you mentioned yeah. before, I've, I've had some good results this season. They were ninth. Liverpool come back in of a, a bit of iffy form. I think the one thing we can't question on this side is the mentality of them. Yeah. Like the the men, it does look like you mentioned before, like Van Dyke celebrating when he got that blocking yeah. on 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 that. Your Matip's reaction to getting booked and he's like slamming up. Like they, they are yeah. up for it. Like there's no doubt about it. The Reds. I think sometimes you can tell by how a team act 
how good they think they are or mm. not. Like last year, what's the fucking point yeah. of getting this emotional? Because I think we're a bit crap. I think that's a, everyone, everyone had a sense of that a little bit until we got on that run near the end. It you can tell by how they're acting. They think they're good, yeah. and they've got that mentality is definitely there. You can see like they're all confident. They're all, they're all backing each other up, but all more important is celebrating the successes. Yeah. It does feel like they've got that, that I don't know, the Liverpool mojo back. Yeah. And I think the signings have helped because it's, like you said before, the midfield in front last season was so, not poor, but obviously we just no, got it was, you it it was poor. <laughs> I don't want to belittle anyone too much, it's but fine. yeah, like it was mm, okay, piss poor then. <laughs> we saw but the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the player no more. But like, so it's, do you know what I mean? Like it's, because now there's these young energetic players who have come in like Sobersly, Gravenberg, McAllister's and energy everyone who was in that squad who nearly won the quadruple is going to be thinking shit like look at look at these players they're up for it we can be up for it and you know it's they look rejuvenated yeah there's still moments like Luton and Toulouse and stuff but that's going to happen you know the season we won the league we got thumped by Watford like 2-0 3-0 those results happen and like you said mentality wise they're treating every game at the moment like a final, like they want, they have to win it, which you need to do if you're against Man City. And we need to go into that Man City game now with that in mind and make sure that we give a good stead of ourselves in that match. Because if we play, if they've got that passion in them at the moment and that ability, we can play City and we can beat them regardless of where we are. If so you think we just Mo- need to make it happen. If you think Mo Salah's just thinking about top four, then you're wrong. He's yeah. not the type of player that just sits there and thinks, let's go for, for top four. Most of the players are like that. You look at Trent now. Now he's vice-captain, the way he's playing. He's playing as if he wants titles. Same with Virgil. These players aren't playing for top four. I mean, I know that's what Carragher's saying. And we've got to sort of manage our expectations at the same time because yeah. this is obviously Klopp's regenerating a whole new side here mostly but I can't see Salah going into it thinking oh yeah let's go for top four and maybe win the Europa and another one of the cups I just don't think that's the way he looks at things and so he did so yeah. I said let's win everything that's that's not the mentality that Klopp breeds is let's go for top four and be happy with it Klopp, Klopp's always disappointed with yeah. seconds you know what I mean I mean when you're coming up against Man City what are you going to do but if we can go to if we can go to the Etihad and, and beat them that's that's a massive massive statement yeah. I suppose the good thing compared again compared to times gone by, um, the, the the home form looks back again. It was like Liverpool have always, even when they've been rubbish, they've actually been really difficult to beat. Anfield, very few teams beat them, but this season they've won every game in all comps by at least two goals. Yeah. Like it, it, it's Anfield is becoming this fortress yeah. again, and like I say, Brentford. When we go to their place, it'll be a very tough game, and I'm sure it will be. But like. If, if if the the home form is going to see Liverpool through again, and uh, that's another example, like against a good team, and you know, in, in years gone by, in years in the future, I've just back. Oh yeah, Liverpool be Benfica, probably battered them. Yeah. It didn't feel like that, but that's what that's what's like for some reason. At Anfield, the Reds are the, the goal scoring forms there. It's the firepower we've got, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this Anfield form could be huge for us going mm. forwards. It should be. Yeah, the biggest thing you can do is win your home games. If you win all your home games, or at least win and a couple of draws. You put yourself in good stead for no matter where you are. I, I think Newcastle said that in the Champions League group. Obviously, it's not working, but if they they said they win every home game, you're in good stead to progress, and we need that as well. Anfield, like you said, teams have come and beat us. Teams do get results every now and then, but it's so few and far between. I think what was it like sixty something games that we went in a row without losing mm-hmm. or thirty or something like that. Leeds are the only team we won with a crowd there for, for ages, yeah. wasn't it? For a, yeah. for a long so time. So you know, it's Anfield is the is the twelfth man. It's the biggest. Arsenal that we have, uh, biggest weapon we have in our arsenal, and if we can just get results at home, 
and then re- like go away from home, like you said, go to the Etihad and really put in a shift. There's no reason we can't set our ambitions high. I do think we're slightly, maybe some fans saying we're going to win the league, we're going to le- win the league. You know, it's might be a bit premature, but like I said, if we can go away from home and pick up points on top of our incredible form at home, there's no reason we can't set our expectations high. Thanks very much to Abby and for Lewis for joining me for that one. And yeah, thanks for Liverpool for winning another game of footy. That was excellent. Later that afternoon, we released the Biased Football podcast. It was Paul, Chris, Chloe and Dan having a big chat about the Premier League title race and what potentially could stop each of those teams winning the league. And yeah, check out what they have to say about the Gunners. Let's talk Arsenal then. Um, I honestly, go past the lead table thing, I don't understand how Liverpool... We should be above Spurs, because I, I, say, I think Spurs are a bit of a flash in the pan, you know, good good times and all that. And look, we're level on points with Arsenal, it's not like, it's not like we've, we've got them in, you know, eating our dust in the rearview mirror. But Arsenal, I don't know. <sighs> they feel like another one of them teams to me that they've been overhyped a little bit too soon. I think they're good, I think they're very good and they've got very good players. Mm. But... I still look at them and us and then you throw City into the mix and City still feel like the most complete outfit of the lot. Duh, we're talking about the treble holders at the moment. But I don't know, I, I, Arsenal, again, I don't know what it is. And it's probably a centre-forward is probably yes. the answer to this. But I don't, Dan, they don't feel to me like they're any necess- they're massively more ready to, to topple City than they were a year ago. Maybe they are, but I mean, ultimately, I'm not sure it necessarily yields that that title challenge for No, I tend to agree with you. And there's two question marks around Arsenal for me. I was just thinking there whilst you were talking about what it is that makes me doubt them. Because I keep having these sort of feelings about the league this season, how it may well pan out. And I still have us and Man City sort of potentially battling it out. How deep into the season that is remains to be seen. But then I have this sort of afterthought of Arsenal, if you like. And then I go, why are they an afterthought? Because you're right, they come second last season. They pushed them in inverted commas. Um, they should be doing it again, of course, having spent so much money in the, in the um, summer, albeit, Timber's injury didn't help but I think it is I think it's a centre forward as you mentioned there because I think if it was Gabriel Jesus constantly that'd be fine but he seems to be picking up quite regular injuries now and Nketiah definitely isn't the answer on the flip side they're even on to Trossard a little bit in the false nine which I don't think is is it either personally so if they do have a problem it might be there and I think if they went and got Ivan Tony, that might potentially solve that in yeah. January possibly but the other one is a mess Arteta has made of his own doing essentially and it's the goalkeeper situation mm. yeah. Yeah. like and that keeps rearing its ugly head as well like and that doesn't show any signs of stopping he can't resolve that essentially until January at the earliest if he wants to because in January he's got the opportunity to say you're my guy you're going to be my guy the other one sorry on you go if he does that remains to be seen but yeah there are the two He's not done himself any favours in that department for me. And there the maybe a little bit of squad death if they lose a, a Saliba or someone like that, potentially as well, but with Declan Rice even, because I know Party's injured as well. But I think they've got all the tools, but two of the key ones, your keeper and your centre forward, don't seem to be quite settled enough. It still comes out to me, it's like that, it's the squad experience. And I think Saka's amazing. I'd like I'd have Saka all day. It's like, you know, we, took, we you guys did it. Like, what you who's your who you buying? If you got huge money for Salah, you'd be going in and tempting Arsenal for Saka all day. Martinelli, brilliant. He's had some injury problems himself this season. And Ketia, I said, is he's a Rigi. That's fine. You need an Rigi. You need someone who can just come in when 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 you shit at the fan and you need someone to come in and might score a goal for you. Brilliant. Gabriel Jesus is never going to score. 
20 to 30 goals from a centre forward position for them and he's not on the pitch enough to be able to do it but he's their guy mm-hmm. he's the been there and done it guy and he's it, probably mid 20s he's probably 25 26 and he's surplus the requirement for Man City Zinchenko's it another one who's got injury problems when the when the chips are down where I'm looking at Liverpool and going Virgil van Dijk's getting me out the shit or Salah's getting me out the shit or Trent's getting me out the shit or whatever any of the guys who've been there Arsenal's main men are not winners yet and that's a, that's still that's a thing that undoes it that has to change at some point it happens to Liverpool of course but I don't know that, that's where I think they're a little they're a little short this well. is going to sound incredibly harsh on Arteta and I'm not going to apologise for it right <laughs> but he's just the fucking wish Pep Guardiola do you know what I mean like how is a wish Pep Guardiola going to beat a Guardiola he doesn't have the resources he doesn't have a fucking centre forward like Erling Haaland he doesn't have the unlimited resources he may be one of the best managers in the world but he's not as good as Pep Guardiola and his players aren't as good as Pep Guardiola and he's playing the same system as Pep Guardiola I never see a way where Arsenal Mm. while Pep Guardiola is there topple Manchester City and look, we've seen them beat. We've seen them beat Man City this season, which is great, and it's possible to do it in one-off games, of course. But I think that's an interesting point. It's a bit like, you know, like when Spain win the win the tournaments and Barcelona are dominating, and everyone goes ah tiki taka, right, sand them all over this. But when you're not the innovators, you then. You can't, you know, you've, maybe you can find ways to find a new, fresh approach on it, and maybe you know you'll find you'll you'll run it long enough that Saka, Martinelli, and Co hit their prime, and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, an Odegaard, three absolutely best in class footballers who are absolutely ready to dominate all games of football, but he's on that knife edge as well where. They might go a couple of seasons and they've not won, and then Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard are looking around, going, I could, I could. Mm. I could have been playing these seasons at a team that actually wins silverware. I, I think that's a really interesting point. Is he is he good enough to find that extra something that Pep doesn't have? I don't. I don't think. He I don't either. think he is. Yeah. Mm. Better hair. Not oh, infinitely. Better. Yeah. He's got some. Yeah, it's not going anywhere that heavy, is it? No, it's like it will not thick. stop. Super glued. If I used the craggle on that, I <laughs> yeah, I used the craggle. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Arsenal. But like, again, it goes. That's the point. They feel like it felt to me like last season was that one. Yeah. You've got a head of steam. You've got it all going. It's there for you. What have they? I mean, Declan Rice is really good. Mm. But I said this in the summer. I'm not sure a hundred million pounds on Declan Rice is is what is is enough to bridge. The gap to make it to make it. Is he better than Rodri? No, done in it. But he might be. You know, he might be in that kind of. He might be good. I just watched. Saw Rodri against Chelsea, and he's a, he's just a man, isn't he? I mean, you see everyone else playing that role in the league, and they're all not there. He just everything works for yeah, him. He's, 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 yeah, he's something else. But they've got to think. It's Declan Rice. He's really good. But what's he done? And he's just won the the Com-coms. the basket. You know the waste paper basket version of the UEFA Cup, like I mean, great, good on him. He's got, he's won a little bit of something. But is he the guy? Is he? Might be, mm. might be. But it's a question, not an answer. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Thanks very much to Paul and the guys for that one. Moving on then, it was the deep dive. You've got Chris Pajak and you've got Josh Williams, the stats gurus themselves. So yeah, check out the first 10 minutes of this week's episode of the deep dive. So this one, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Cody Gakpo, I suppose, more than anything, mate. Um, it's been a, mm. been a bit of a strange start, I suppose, for Cody this season. He's... He's not kicked on, and if anything, maybe it's fair to say slightly regressed, Josh. A bit. I mean, if I feel like so far it's been a good season for us. We're, we're enjoying things, you know. In all competitions, still quarter final of the Carabao Cup, second in the Premier League. Everything's everything's good, really. But I think the one kind, one of the few negatives you would throw in there is probably the fact that Gakpo looks a little bit is lost too harsh. Do you think? No, I don't think. I don't think it's too harsh. No. He was definitely lost in the game of the weekend. Yeah, well, I thought the game in the weekend was one of his better midfield performances, and I think that kind of captures how bad his early performances were against Chelsea and against Brentford because he started both of those games, first two games of the season, mm-hmm. and he just didn't. Bit of a passenger, to be honest. But I think he's a, he's an interesting talking point for us to touch on now because obviously, as I said, everything's going well, but Gakpo is a bit. It's just less going well compared to everyone else, if you know what I mean. I think that's right, isn't it? I think when when we've seen when he when he first came into the football club, you know, we he was obviously talked about as this sort of left winger and actually what we saw quite quickly and quite early on was that he was gonna play central, he was gonna play that number nine and at the time I think it's fair to say that Darwin Nunes maybe wasn't hadn't hit the ground running and he ended up on the left hand side and we saw it it was almost like well, it's easy if we get Cody Gakpo in there because we understand how Firmino's played that role for, for years and the players around him, when you're desperate for points, you're desperate to try and get back into the Champions League, didn't need to learn how to play with a new player. It was almost like we just got a Firmino version, light, a Firmino version yeah. 2.0 and, and now all of a sudden we've moved on. We are clearly playing towards Darwin Nunes being Liverpool's number nine 
and Cody's sort of filling in places, I suppose. Yeah, well, last season, obviously, he arrived in the middle of the campaign, and by the end of the season, I think he'd started 17 games in the Premier League, and Darwin had started 19, despite my arriving six months earlier. So he obviously had a lot more of an impact. Um, seemed to be a bit of a Firmino bridge in terms of allowing the team to play in a similar way to before without Firmino on the pitch. Obviously, weren't really ready to integrate Darwin properly at the time. Um, and I think he improved Liverpool's defensive game a little bit. But I think the plan was always for us to move towards this kind of Trent as an inverted fullback, Nunes as a poacher, advanced number eight. That was kind of the blueprint for the new team. And with that being the case, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure like what the plan is for Gapo. If there even is one, there might not even be a plan in terms of like, this is where he's going to play for the rest of his, this is where he's going to play for. It might be a bit more like, he's just kind of always going to be that, a bit like a Joss has always been, mm. where Joss just kind of plays wherever we need him and does a, you know, performs to a reasonable standard. But I think Gakpo so far, so far this season, I mean, has he, can you think of a game he's played, he's shined? No, but, any and, and it, it, I don't, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's always felt like he's scored just before he's being subbed as <laughs> yeah. well. Like to, to sort of make you think, oh, he's playing better than he is. But I think there was definitely one game this season where the lad was ready to come on and Gapo scored and then he, he literally got taken off like moments later and stuff. Yeah, so that was Wolves, wasn't it? Was it Wolves, yeah. Might not have been, I don't know. Um, and it's it kind of felt a little bit like that. Now, what's funny, actually, when you think about it, Josh, is... He's actually kind of... How many goals has he scored there, can you say? So far this season? Yeah. Um, excluding internationals, he's on four. Four. He's, he's kind of felt a little bit like Jota in that regard. In that he doesn't... Jota doesn't always play well, but he scores goals. I think Jota's actually turned his form around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's playing as, really well as part of the team. But Gakpo, I don't think, is playing well. But he was still getting those opportunities, still getting into the right area, still tapping the ball in and stuff. So it is interesting. But I think, you know, when... When we talk horses for courses, I can totally understand Cody Gakpo in the, in and around the squad, but Louis Diaz is ahead of him, right? Yeah. Nunes is ahead of him. Yeah. You would think Gravenberch is going to be ahead of him or Kurt Jones is ahead of him in this position. You could argue that Jot is ahead of him in this position. Yeah, exactly. So third choice, third choice, and then throw McAllister in the mix could be fourth choice. Mm. Second choice. Yeah. I mean, he's got more talent than that, hasn't he? Yeah, it's it's really surprising. It's not surprising, but it's just because it's, it's proper competition that we've got now. But he is the, the he was the captain of PSV. He's an established international and things. He he cost about thirty forty million, I think, that when we got him in, and he made a statement when he came in by by making a bit of an impact and stuff. But as of right now, yeah, he's um he kind of fallen down the pecking order a little bit, and yeah, I, I said on the agenda, didn't I that? One of the, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but one of the worries that I've got is the, the comparison with Havertz. Mm. I've seen someone say that a couple of days ago and I could see it, like, <laughs> and I don't want to see it. Believe me, I don't want to see that. What were they saying then? Just that he's, he's, he's a similar player or he's just, got about as much impact as Havertz? Just, if you look at Havertz since he came to England, he was bigged up before he came to England and when he, since he's came here, he's painted as a versatile player. But, you're not versatile if you don't play well anyway. <laughs> versatile's the opposite. Fucking hell. When you think about it, versatile's the opposite. Versatile is play there, 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 wherever, and you'll reach 7 out of 10 easy, no matter what. Gakpo and Havertz especially, um, 
they, they, they don't look at home anywhere. Uh, and that, that, that's, that's the worry I have with Gakpo. It's still very early days for, him, for, for us to be making this comparison. Like, But I, don't, I hope he's not one of them before too long where he's kind of, where no one kind of knows what he's particularly great at. Do you remember, if you think back to when we signed him, obviously I don't think the plan was to sign him at the time that we mm. signed him. Obviously, was it Tottenham that were interested or was that United, the Diaz right? one? It was United, yeah. yeah. It was Diaz for, for, for Tottenham, wasn't it? United are interested and we think, right, we'll just get this done. With more good players is never a bad thing. And then, obviously, you go into this mad re- midfield rebuild whereby you end up getting McAllister and Soberslight and Gravenberg and Endo. And I suppose before that, before Fabinho and Henderson leave, Gakpo was probably higher up the pecking order in the midfielders. But again, you've, for want of a better phrase, shit changes. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? And, and I suppose is, is Gakpo doing anything to suggest that he can be more involved in games? What are his stats like when it comes to, I don't know, well, I think the worry I've got and the, the kind of statistical element that I keep touching on is just his touches. And that sounds like a really basic thing because, say, for example, Erling Haaland, Darwin Nunes, they never touch the ball, but there's such threats. They put the ball in us all the time. They make a difference in that sense. I think Gakpo's a bit different because he's playing in midfield a fair bit. So if you're in midfield, I can't think of any... many midfielders at all off the top of my head who get away with being elite in midfield but never get on the ball. You know, it's kind of a standard expectation. So against Brentford on the weekend, he posted 43 touches in the game. He played about 82 minutes, I think, in that. So for a bit of perspective on that, Nunes posted 39 as a striker. And this is Nunes as well, who's running away from the ball all the time. the tip of the spear. Yeah. yeah. Um, Salah, again, who was a forward, he's playing further away from the ball than Gakpo is. Um, Salah posted 64 touches. Sobuslai, who played on the opposite side of the midfield to Gakpo in an identical role, posted 71 touches. Gakpo on 43. So nearly double for so, This is what I mean when I'm saying like the whole kind of black hole narrative passenger. The game passes him by a tiny bit. And, and that can't really be the case when you're playing there. Um, and it, it was the case earlier in the season. So it, it happened against Chelsea. I think he was bottom of the bottom of the game in terms of touches. Same against Bournemouth. Um, and then it got to a point where Jones comes in and his place. Gapo gets benched. And in Jones's first start against Villa, he posted sixty-one touches in an hour, and then come off for so Gapo. One, one and a half the amount of touches yeah. in. Yeah, and then, and then Gapo came on for him and. Um, that's kind of how it's gone for him, but that, that, that's been him in midfield, and that's why, despite me initially saying, I think he can play in midfield, and he, he, I think he still potentially can, but he needs to work on that element, definitely. That's like a weird... Um, it's it's not a midfield trait. It's mm. not a midfield tendency, So, and he doesn't have the running in behind to the same level as a Darwin or a Salah or even a Diaz, so it's difficult to play him on the flanks. And then the number nine... We've got less of a need now for a false nine to drop into deeper areas because you're expected to go and do that to let to let these lads do that. So it's curious, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I wonder whether I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. Is I remember when the season started, I was thinking, well, I like Diaz with Nunes, and I sort of like Gakpo with Jota. 
because mm. the way that the, the you know Nunez Diaz seems natural, and Jota Gakpo because they're sort of going out the space or Jota Gakpo over here something like that. But actually, what I think we're seeing with Jota and Nunez is it's working really well with the two of them at the moment because he's just ending up in this area of the field regardless. He's allowing overlaps for lads like Costas Timakas, who gets two assists at the weekend uh, from being able to get down that left-hand side. And now I'm sort of thinking, well, where does Gakpo fit in? If And we've not really seen Gakpo on the left very often. And no. I don't think he's shined when he's been on there anyway, even though that's his supposed position. Where I think he's shined is in the centre-forward position. And he's just not getting the opportunities. Thanks to Josh and thanks to Chris for that one. And next up and finally, it is a clip from our Geno Inside Show. It was me, it was Neil Jones, and we had a big, big old chat about Archie Gray. Liverpool were linked with a £40 million move for the teenager, which sounds extraordinary. It probably is extraordinary, but yeah, I asked Neil Jones all about that one. Story that caught my eye came out November 10th from Matthews in the Daily Mail. An exclusive says they put up a £40 million move for Leeds, a 17-year-old star, Archie Gray, just three months after his first team debut as Premier League clubs taking notice of the Brazil of the brilliant rather midfielder. I mean, £40 million for a 17-year-old, that just like that, that was yeah. the first. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm honest, that, that's that's the, the that's the headline, isn't it? You know, <laughs> literally, yeah. For, yeah, 40 million is is huge and I can't. I was speaking just before we came on. Leeds have only sold two players, I think, for in the history for for that price, and they were Calvin Phillips, who's an England international in twenty six, twenty seven, and Rafinha, who's a Brazilian international, who went to Barcelona. So the idea that forty million pounds for a, you know, however talented a young lad is, and we're talking about Stefan Bajetic at nineteen and still having lots to prove, and we're talking about Harvey Elliott at twenty with nearly a hundred games under his belt, still having a bit to prove. Archie Gray got an awful lot to prove, and you know, I think I think forty million seems like a, a huge thing. I think I think he's obviously, I think I think there's a contract negotiation going on there with Leeds. You know, obviously he's seen as a big thing, and he's got a obviously huge family history with with Leeds with his his uh, uncle, is it Eddie or grandfather? Um, so I think there's there's a little bit of a little bit of that at play as well in terms of you know agents putting putting clubs in Liverpool we've seen used in the past but what I would say is Liverpool and also any other big club would always be aware of a 17 year old who's making waves in in any football league really but in the championship in particular and a big club like Leeds I'm playing every week I'm playing every week he's played over one is he he's their first choice right back yeah pretty much yeah and he's played in midfield as well hasn't he Um, so of course it's an interesting player but I would be amazed if Liverpool or anyone went and spent £40 million on him at this stage um, unless they were convinced that he was the best young player in the world yeah, he's got, I mean, or in the country and especially for a position where they got one like, I, I'd understand I mean, yeah. I'd understand if like, he's a right back predominantly plays centre-mid but to DM slash right back well we've got one of them quite a good one as well he's pretty good he's the vice captain of the football if Liverpool were going to sign a kid a real young exactly you would feel it would be they'd go down the train on you wrote us of a young lad yeah or Calvin Ramsey you know you know, I know I know. Like I've mentioned him twice in this show I mean he's back great news for him by the way he's back training with, with Preston he played a, a Lancashire Cup game recently but they've done that with him they've always had Nico Williams there who, who, who you know they couldn't give him enough football probably probably you know being brutally honest didn't think he was at the level to go and ever be the first choice player for Liverpool but a good player Nico Williams Welsh international 
they went and bought Calvin Ramsey for a few million because they think he's a development player that can potentially come in and, and be a good rotation option. He's had obviously terrible luck. If you're paying 40 million for a 17-year-old kid, I'd want to see him playing games. Oh, he's actually in the team. Yeah, I'd, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, however, however much potential he's got, and however sort of, you know, time on his side he might have with his age. That's a big outlay to, to say that. You know, you you would have to be convinced that he's going to be in your team pretty quickly, um, and you know, albeit he's playing really well for Leeds at the right end of the Championship, and you know, good luck to him. Brilliant. Love seeing young players come through at the you know hometown clubs. I'd still want to see a bit more before I was uh, I was signing that check. Absolutely, and again, I've got I've got no doubt about the Liverpool. If there's a 17 year old playing first team football anywhere in Europe, Liverpool will be aware of them. Yeah. Again, but that one there might be an interesting. Of course, there was no yeah. I, just, I don't know one. That would be probably the most on Liverpool I get Liverpool signing young yeah. players just a model but 40 million pounds absolutely it's just, it just baffles me that just baffles me yeah absolutely I mean like you say they've, they've signed younger players there in the past Kate Gordon who played in the first team Ben Doe who played for, for Celtic Harvey Elliott only Harvey Elliott um, like Savio Cavallo <laughs> you know um, from, from Fulham they, they, they signed them with the, prov- the, the clear proviso that they're good but it'll take time before they're getting into the first team if you're putting 40 million down or any, you know, and listen, I, I don't doubt, by the way, this is not me, Matthew's story, you know, it's more, the 40 million yeah, might yeah. be the package, you know, it might be the sort of, oh yeah, we'll give you 5 million and if he you know, wins four Ballon d'Ors in four years, we'll give you we'll give you an extra 10, that kind of thing. But to commit anything like even, even 20 million, you know, would be, it would be a huge statement on, on, on a young lad's talent and I'm not sure Liverpool would make that kind of statement I'm not sure many clubs would make that kind of statement maybe Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea are going to buy Phil with 41 million for yeah. tomorrow after, after, after yeah. reading this one but yeah. again it, it does kind of open the question of like it, it, the the, the the Liverpool process of, of when he signed young players you mentioned a few there but even more they have been really good you mentioned trade they were on the bench 16 or just taking Callum Scanlon Callum Scanlon yeah, like, lads, dude, dude, that tends to be the way they go about it I mean listen, unless like you said, unless Archie Gray is like the next I don't know Roberto Carlos but on the on, the, on the other side the next time that's on the last probably a better option yeah, like it's it just feels a bit over the top but what I would say is that he's under contract till 2025 He's 17. This could even be Greasing Wheels for very yeah. that I mean, it might, well, let's have a look when he's 19. Let's see where he is when he's 20. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the way I would put it is this. Would Liverpool pay the £40 million for the best player in the Championship? The be- I'm talking about the best player. like Undeniably, I don't know who that would be, but... Juicy Hall or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah. Maybe. Probably not. No. <laughs> so, so to, to, to the youngest, pro- the hottest prospect in the championship, would they- not really. But yeah, you're right. If he if he then goes on and Leeds get promoted, then he then he's in the Premier League and you've done that groundwork and you think, wow, he, he's a top player and he's moving up to he's doing the the Jude Bellingham route and he's going going up towards the first team of England and all that, you know. Then yeah, maybe. But yeah, it feels it feels early now. But what, one one thing I would say is it makes it makes you want to watch Leeds a little bit, doesn't it? You know. I know they had a good win. Uh, they beat Leicester recently, didn't they, on, on a Friday night, and they're, they're right up the the right end. Daniel Daniel Fark has got them going after you know taking on a tough job. What are they second or third, third in the league? Yeah, third. third, yeah. Well, well, I mean, the, the, the two at the top are flying, aren't they, with Ipswich and, and Leicester? But Leeds, Leeds have, have got Next. themselves in. They're brilliant to see Preston, by the way, in in fifth. Ryan Lowe. 
Scouse, Tyler Morton in eighth as well with with Hull City. He's playing every every week in England on the twenty one squad. Great, great for him. Great for Liverpool. So yeah, gives you a little bit to watch at the top of the championship. So, if if we just come up and have a second, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's one of those those rare examples, I suppose, isn't he? Kieran McKenna of a coach with a real big reputation that goes and takes a number one job. And often I, I sort of look at them and go, okay, yes, good luck, mate, and we'll see you back as a you know as a first team coach somewhere. And he's actually gone and left Manchester United and gone and done an unbelievable job. And Maresca the same. Don't say Leicester the same. Yeah, Maresca <laughs> the same with with with, uh, with Leicester. You know, the two of them seem to be real sort of good examples of of modern coaches. Absolutely. Um, doing well, and I was impressed by Leicester when they come to Anfield um, in in the Carabao. You know, they looked like they had a way of playing, and. Them and then have switched to one of the eight points clear at the top. Cheers to Neil for coming in and cheers to you guys for listening to this episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. Like I say, all those shows are available in full over on redmenplus.com. Use that code weekly, get yourselves a discount, go and check them out. It's absolute belter. While you're there, you'll see loads of our features, documentaries, interviews to keep you covered, your Liverpool fix during the international break, loads of evergreen stuff that you can fill your boots in. So yeah, go and get yourselves involved in Red Men Plus and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. I'll see you all then. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.